Hey guys, what's going on? Thanks for tuning into the show. I just wanted to let you know that this episode right here, it contains explicit content. So if you got some kids around, if you got the dogs around and you don't want them to hear bad language, you want them to hear some really, really dirty words, I put them to bed. Uh, other than that, enjoy the show. I wanted to go and 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 do something that that was bigger than myself, even if I didn't have the confidence uh, or not confidence, definitely had a confidence, didn't have a know how necessarily all the way. But I'm just walking, walking one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, figuring out just like everybody else. And then when you get to that part where you're thriving, it's like, dang, it's cool. Like I can already see it. It's not happening yet, but I can see it already. And it's like, okay, I'm hella uncomfortable right now, but, but, but I like where I'm at and I like what I'm doing. I'm like, what's happening for my, my life. And I'm like, what's happening? What's going on guys? Welcome to talks with talks, the podcast that talks. I'm your host, Tevin West. We'll usually discuss sports news, current events in and out of the town and both random and special topics. We'll have guests that swing by from time to time. <laughs> yeah, hey, Sally, what's up, boy? The only way you gon' ever be safe We're in the house the whole time be a hustler yeah. Stand far away from us The only way you gon' ever be safe That's right, niggas so what I came here to uh, discuss today was a little along the lines of <clears throat> uh, the last episode, but but not but not so much. Just more along the lines of like talking about a coach, and uh, the, the reason why I brought this up, this topic up, is is uh, because I think that it was good business that was done. That's it. But it just happened to be in the world of sports. So Jimbo Fisher is the coach uh, or was the coach of the Texas um, A&M Aggies. And uh, he was fired recently. And um, he had signed before that, you know, he was known as little background Jimbo Fisher. He was uh, the quarter. Uh, he was the coach, the head coach for the 2013 um, Florida, Florida State uh Seminoles who won the national championship, the BCS title with Jameis Winston as their, as their quarterback. And so um, Jimbo Fisher also coached LSU before that and Auburn. So he's very like SEC, like super SEC. And um, so he has signed a 10 year contract with Texas A&M because of his exploits um, just around the block with SEC and that championship in the ACC. So he signed a ten-year million-dollar, a ten-year, excuse me, a ten-year, seventy-five million-dollar contract to start off, and then um, as time went on, they doubled down on that. So he signed a ten-year, seventy-five million-dollar contract in two thousand seventeen, and it was to get him away from Florida State, as I had previously mentioned, and then they doubled down on that in September 20, 2021 and, and extended him through twenty thirty-one. Um, and that was for 95 million fully guaranteed. Um, and at the time, you know, their athletic director whose name still is Ross York. Um, he said in a statement that there's, uh, he's perfect fit for Texas A&M. And, uh, you know, um, it's like, 
two years later they fired this guy like uh so he did after he made that comment like two years later which is now they fired him he was the coach there for six years and the t- uh for the six seasons that Jimbo Fisher was there he was 45 and 25 which I mean to be honest like you know how hard it is to win in college football you know how hard it is to win specifically in the southern the southeastern conference SEC I mean 45 and 25 in the SEC. Hey, I mean, I know people like that's that's a that's above 500, way above 500. That's like 20% above 500. And uh 10 and 13 against SEC competition and 12 and 14 against Power 5 opponents. I mean, yeah. That sounds about right. I mean, the SEC is hard to play in and Power 5 opponents are hard as well. So I mean, at least he stood up to it in some way. I mean, it wasn't 500 there, but the sum total of his, um, excuse me, let me, uh, I'm reading a different spot here. So since the program hit its peak and it, the extension was signed, Texas A&M is 19 and 15 overall and 10 and 13 SEC com- against SEC competition and 12 and 14 against Power 5. So please forgive me for my dyslexia here. So, um, no, it's saying like since the extension was signed, he's done worse. That was the issue. But um, Texas A&M hasn't won a true road game since October 16th, 2021. A skid of nine straight losses. Are for real? Man, the Aggies are a disappointing six and four this fall. I just like how they like say it because it's it's like it's like very little room for error in college football. Like you can't lose too many games, which is insane. Like. What kind of precedents are we setting for our like the way that our nation should? Because people look at sports and they'll view life through the lens of sports. So, like, what are you saying if a team is six four and it's disappointing? Like, but I get it. They paid them all this money and they're they're expecting national champions. Bro, there's only one national champion a year. Okay, there's only four people that get into the playoff right now, but there's only one national champion. So, uh, but I understand what they're saying. So. Um, so I wanted to speak on the second, on the second part of this, uh, was that I thought it was good business. Yeah. I thought that because here's the deal, the Aggies, um, are on the hook. So it says with the Aggies showing no considerable positive progress in the year, in year six of the Fisher era, Texas A&M decided to part ways with Fisher despite more than $77 million remaining on his contract. Um, I mean, Fisher's mass out, massive buyout is like, people be talking about that on the radio. You know, like there are sports stations that, and for me, I listen to 105.9, um, but that station is god awful. It'd be going in and out. It's If you're listening to this, a person that maybe like runs 105.9 or something, and and Warner Robins, you need to get it together. You need that channel is god awful. It's it's a good show that y'all put on, but the frizzing up and the channel switching between, it's like man, I'll be hearing some good stuff and then all of a sudden I get cut off. But anyway, um, so <clears throat> you know everybody's been talking about that buyout. And it, uh, it's like, the, the thing is, like, Texas A&M doesn't have to fork it all over at once. But that's okay. 
because you would you like you want installment payments for something like this. So it says Fisher's contract explains the buyout payment schedule as follows. University shall pay 25% of such amount in a lump sum within 60 days of the effective date of termination of the agreement. And the remaining balance shall be paid to coach in equal an annual payments beginning uh, 120 days after the effective date of the termination of this agreement and continuing through the original date of this agreement, December 31st through 2031. And so it's like they don't have to write Jimbo Fisher a $77 million check immediately. And so it's like, um, it even says like here in the short term, they're going to have to like write him two checks in a span of four months. I don't know about you, but if I got two checks that were supposed to equal 76, $77 million and, and within the span of four months, man, dude, that's good business. So, um, uh, the first payment would be $19 million and the second would be uh, the first of eight annual payments for the rest of the contract, which will be eight annual payments of $77.2 million. Holy crap. What good business. He's going to be getting paid annual payments of $7.2 million every year. Oh, man, that's crazy work. Um, In total, the Aggies owe Fisher $26.6 million by March 11th, which is a day before my birthday. And it's currently not chump change, obviously. Um, the rest will be paid out in annual installments of $7.2 million, as I said. And uh, the uh, basic, like, what I'm saying is, like, they're going to be on the hook for paying two coaches. I love to see it. I love to see like these universities that take advantage of uh, these men's young men's talent mercenary for hire basically. But I mean, it's a two way street. I'm not just saying they're the worst, but they, they're pretty trashy. Like universities are, are, are pretty trash. You know what I mean? Um, so I love to see when they get taken for, I love to see when a coach or when a player sticks it to like the old, money university guys and gals who just think that they can't be moved okay you might not be moved but you're gonna pay me i love that that's just me personally because they've done a lot of things to take advantage of people and they'll take away people's you know accolades and then they'll move the goalposts like with reggie bush like they took away his heisman and stuff like that because of he was getting paid but then they switched the rules, so now it's an NIL deal. So it's like you're just moving the goalposts. That's kind of you know, like all the things that they did to schools, schools like SMU, you know, they banished them, you know, they punished them, like took away all their you know privileges and stuff. So it was hard for SMU to build back up. But then you know you got teams like Alabama and Georgia who are doing this exact took the exact blueprint that SMU took in the '80s and just put it on today's stage. And that's why they're waxing people and they're about to go to their third national championship. And that's why Alabama dominated as well for their reign right before them. So it's like, I love to see um, when, when players and coaches alike are gaming the system. That's just me. Get your money. It's too much money. It's too much out here to not be gotten. 
So he'll be paid $7.2 million um, after that initial payment for eight years. After that initial payment of like 19. Um, but, uh, or sorry, they owe him 26.2, 26.6 million by March 11. That's right. So anyway, um, the, the last guy, the predecessor, Kevin Sumlund, uh, and, um, for Texas A&M was, uh, had a lump sum payment to end his deal as well. Um, the, the entirety remained on his five-year deal was $30 million. And, um, it was signed in late in 2013 and was owed to him within 60 days. So the school fulfilled the obligation with a one-time payment of $9.9 million in early 2018. So here's a total uh, breakdown of what the payment structure will look like for the rest of Fisher's contract through December 31st, 2031. Total buyout, $77,562,500. Lump sum, 25% owed within 65 days will be the 19.3 mil. And then eight payments starting no later than March 11th and continuing through 2031 will be $7.2 million as we discussed. So I wanted to talk about who the person was that structured this good business. And I just wanted to put it out there, not for him, but just let you know, like, this is how this is how it goes and then we'll go into like what possibly could have been structured for him to how it how he could have structured it is what i'm saying so jimmy sexton who's jimmy jimmy sexton is the person that uh so the person that the person that represents Jim, jimbo fisher is jimmy sexton and um there's different parameters that are like outlined in the contract and you can like, you'll see that like those mechanics will be worked out. You know, the mechanics were worked out by Jimmy Sexton. Um, that, so it's like, who is Jimmy Sexton? Jimmy Sexton's a, a sports agent. And, um, I think he was, uh, born in Tennessee, went to the university of Tennessee. Um, he was, his first client or no, his uh, first contract was signed in 1984 as a sports agent. And his first client was the late, great Reggie White. And he helped Reggie White become the highest paid defensive player um, in football at the time. And then he, he was one of the youngest agents. And more he has more agents or more players and coaches he represents. So Sam Darnold, Julio Jones, Laramie Tunsil. Derrick Henry, Philip Rivers formerly, Daniel Jones, Jason Witten, and, and Dominic and Sue. Um, he's on the Forbes list for most powerful uh, world's most powerful sports agents from in 2015, 18, 19, and 20. Um I wanted to put that out there because it's just really, really good to have, you know what I mean, somebody on your team that knows how to structure things. So it's like if you have something going forward, it's important that you realize, like, you don't have to do it alone. You have to, well, you're in the first of all, you're not. Once you, once you get to a certain point, you're going to realize, like, you can't do it alone. So it's just going to have to be people that you bring in and you trust and make sure that you get, you know, everything in writing. You know what I mean? Anytime you're in a business contract, you want, you know, written proof of the engagement. 
and you want a written contract that you know reflects the special terms by which each party is bound so it's like oral agreements are like a type of contract you know what i mean like oral agreements is like handshake spit yeah verbal agreements they're cool they're valid but like a lot of segments a lot of things a lot of things in life are difficult to enforce because like the, the, the contract terms might be like misrepresented does that that make sense it's like um if we if we say uh yeah like we'll just shake on um if i have if i have a car that my son wants to buy he wants to buy it from me i say well i don't want money from you but he wants to buy it from me. i'm just giving it an, an example guys so I would never make my son buy a car for me, but uh, even if he wanted to do it, cool. Um, well, we shake on it. Well, how much did you know? what I'm saying, did we did we agree upon? Well, I don't know. We just it's just a deal. So can we do two hundred? Well, sure. Well, what about you? See, what I'm saying like all these things can now be like manipulated and changed. And that was probably a really bad example, but the point is you need to get your uh, agreements written and written down. So that way that the agreements are not going to be forgotten or uh, misunderstood or misrepresented. And then like, for me, it's like use language that you can understand. Um, a business contract does not have to be written in like legal red tape government jargon guys like the best contracts are particularly in small in the small in the small business context they're written in plain english so like both parties know what they're doing and what they're signing and and what the what the what what things mean so i would just say be be sure that the the terms that you write are like specific you know what i mean like they shall do it was just like uh looking back on jimbo fisher's contract um when it came to the buyout right it was like um uh, fisher's contract explains that the buyout payment shall schedule schedule as follows the university shall pay 25 percent such uh of such amount in a lump sum within 60 days of the effective date of termination agreement and the remaining balance shall be paid to coach in equal annual payments beginning 120 days after the effective date of termination of this agreement and continuing through the original day end date of this agreement december 31 2031 now if you just take the time i read that really fast so you you right what did you just say you, you probably spoke in legalese but if you just slow down to read it, it literally gives you an in plain English, like we're going to pay this man in a lump sum within 60 days of him being gone. And like the rest of his like amount, 120 days after that, like we're going to pay that in uh, equal, uh, equal annual payments. We're going to pay that like each year the same way. So it's really, it's really, once you break it down, that's the language you can understand. So the language that was written in that contract, it was really, really good business done between both parties. I mean, not, it wasn't good business for the university, but I mean, and the university has to, you know, it was like, they were asking, Oh, how are you going to pay 
um, wh what means do you mean to pay this? And uh, I want to talk about that too. Like, you like usually, what do you think? Who do you think is gonna pay them? The donors? No, the donors are not on the hook for this one, man. So it, uh, the donors were, the donors were saying we're not gonna be on the the hook for paying Jimbo Fisher. Uh, on his buyout. So you guys got to figure out a way to grow your revenues and get the money to get it yourself. So the 12th man um, foundation that the, uh, that the, either the college or some people who, some alumni, they've set up a 501c organization um, to, that's like right next to, um, Right next to uh, what's that field called? Is it, is it Kelly's Field? Is it Kelly's Field, Texas A and M, Texas A and M Field? I don't want to mispronounce their Kyle Field. Yeah, so they have a they have a uh, they have a um, a brick and mortar set up next to Kyle, and that's a five hundred one C, and uh, which is I think it's a non. Let me make sure I got this right here. Nonprofit, yes, yeah, a nonprofit, and they uh nonprofit, and then they basically the twelve man foundation is going to pay a portion of the annual payments, or sorry, they they're going to pay the uh, lump sum of nineteen million, and then you know what I'm saying um the school is going to be on the hook for the rest of the annual payments, and um. I'm just so glad about that. I'm happy. All right. So uh, this is one of my favorite parts of the show. I get to talk about the town and what's going on in the town. And it's light work today. You know, um, I, last time we talked about the town, it was pertaining to six being on on the podcast, talking about um, the growing uh, rap battle scene in middle Georgia. And then before that, it was uh, the brunch bill, brunch bill. But today, we're going to be talking about um, the restaurant food report card here. And so, um, this is all Middle Georgia's food service inspection scores from the Georgia Department of Public Health between Monday, November 6th and Friday, November 10th, 2023. All the scores of 69 and below are shown in red, which is considered unsatisfactory of the state scale. All scores between 70 and 99 are shown in black. All scores are shown in green are 100. Get it? So red, 69 below. 70, 99, black. 100, green. All right, so here we go. They got counties here, but we're talking about House and County because that's what the town is. So uh, House and County, uh, Windgate by Wyndham. It has a – it's on – 4031 40, Watson Boulevard. His last inspection score was 90. Um, that was done on the 9th of uh, November. Well, I already told you the date, so you don't get the date somewhere. Waffle House um, on 625 Watson Boulevard, Byron, Georgia. Because it's kind of like that. The only reason they said Byron is this weird space in, in the town where it's like you go down Watson and you in Houston County near slim chickens which they just put up this new thing called slim chickens and i'm not gonna flex like it kind of slick feels 
slightly, slightly, slightly. I ain't gonna get into it. It's just you gotta see it. Like just type in Slim Chickens and then look, and you'll see like what I'm talking about. But so sixty twenty five. Yeah, there's a place where you you cross over going down Watson Boulevard past Centerville, and you're in Byron. So that's just kind of what it is. Byron's technically Peach County, but the two coincide. So T break that score for uh for Watson Boulevard 620 Waffle House 96. So um T break foe and Baba uh Boba um uh let's see here let me go back up T break foe and Boba 4027 Watson Boulevard STE 100 um Warner Robins uh last inspection score is 76 Dear Lord, I have gotten uh some boba from Tea Break Foe and Boba. And it was uh it was like it had it was red, it had pineapples in it. It might have been like some type of passion fruit type thing. 76. Ooh, pick it up, tea break. Kung Fu Tea, Kung Fu Tea, Highway 96. So Kung Fu Tea just opened up on 96. Um, I think one of my episodes I was talking about. It might have been episode three, City Business Town situation, where I was talking about how that whole like highway is like it's not a highway anymore; it's a strip. That's where it's on Kung Fu Tea's on that strip further down there, and where the um another broken egg and uh Little Caesars is. So Kung Fu Tea got ninety six. They better. So eight ten Highway ninety six ST two thousand. They better. They just opened up. They just opened up not too long ago. So, I mean, I would hope they had. I mean, really, you should have 100. Like, what are they making marks on? Like, the dust that just came from the, the you know, like the sanding or something? Stop it. Spuds. So, Spuds is on 427 Watson Boulevard, STD 110. When I was driving when I was driving down um, earlier yesterday, I was on that side of town. And I drove by there, and I would see this, like, it's this yellow sign. It says Spuds. And it looked like it's like a potato with arms. I'm not sure, though. But yeah, Spuds has an inspection score of ninety-one, so I guess you're good for now. Uh, one fifteen Margie Drive, STE, a Warner Robins, Georgia, is where Akai, Acai, excuse me, I be calling Akai, Acai, and Smoothie Fusion last inspection score was a hundred. I hope, bro. All you gotta do is make smoothies and clean it up if you drop it. I will hope. Sonic. On 131 Margie Drive, Warner Robins, Georgia, 31088. Has an inspection score of 100. I will hope you have 102, uh, Sonic. People don't even be in your kitchen. You feel me? Like, nothing but workers. So, if the workers are just in the kitchen, if you're, if the, what I mean is like, you know, like, if you go into like a place like KFC or something, that was a really bad example. But if you go in KFC on Sam Nunn Boulevard in Perry, you, you know what I'm saying? You'll, it's a dining area. Sonic don't have that. So I would hope that your employees would try their best to be like spick and span, especially when you don't have no traffic coming in and out, like pedestrian traffic. Arby's on 2061 Watson Boulevard is a score of 96. Seashells, Seafood Express um, on Highway 96, 100. K&D, 96, Thai and Sushi, that's on 96, on 1050 Highway 96. 100. Patio 901. It's on Carroll Street and Perry. 100. Clover Wine Merchant. Shout out to Lynette Tomlin. I know the owner of Clover Wine Merchant. She is amazing. 
Her daughter, Mason Tomlin, is amazing. And Mr. Tomlin is amazing. You guys are all amazing. So um, Clover Wine Merchant has an inspection of 100. Go check out Clover Wine Merchant. They got really good wine. I bought some from them as well. And it was real nice. I That's all I'll say about it. <laughs> Subway on Houston Lake, North Houston Lake Rose in Centerville. It got 91. Genji's. Steak food, steak and seafood, 96 in Watson. El Marul Mexican Grill and Katana. That's on South Houston Lake, 100. Margaritas, Mexican Bar and Grill, number two. That's on Watson Boulevard, that's 100. Captain D's on the north side, 92. Warner Robins Cafe on North Commercial Circle has a 97. Stevie B's on Watson Boulevard, 96. King Quo's, uh, I don't even know what that is. It says base. I mean, does that mean I was on the base? I mean, it's, a, it's a whole, it's a hundred, and then Kings Quay and Moore Mobile. 100, that's what I'm talking about. Whoever owned these two right here, is they getting money? They getting money two, two, three, four, five ways. They both and they got a hundreds on their score and their inspection. So that's that's what I want to talk about for the town is the restaurant report card, food service. Okay, uh, to wrap up the podcast, I will. Uh, lay out to you and i wanted to let you know that it's important to have empathy it's important to be able to put your it's important to be able to like understand and share your feelings um share your share the feelings of another like put yourself in that person's shoes i'm not saying like do it um I, I'm not saying do it just for no reason. I'm saying like if you're in a situation where you see somebody's hurting or they're going through changes and things and it could be difficult for them, they're having certain types of growing pains. I think is it can be important and beneficial to you that you try to put yourself in their shoes and see how they're feeling. And, you know, if you need to comfort them, you know what I mean? I'm, this is a dude. This is a dude coming at you and telling you this is a 29 year old dude. Who, quite frankly, I don't know if I care about much besides my son and like nuclear family. You know what I mean? Like, I, there's not much that I really invest into really, really hard, like in terms of people. So, as far as like empathy goes, like I really feel like I'm the last person to speak on it. But I've been through a lot of situations in my life, and I've seen other people go through a lot of situations, and it's just weird because I feel. I feel it like I'll be feeling their hurt and I don't know why that's a thing, but um, I've learned to garner real empathy like over time. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that like I had empathy to begin with. No, I didn't. But now I do it. I do. I have a lot more empathy for people when I get to know that situation. Um, I used to do it to a fault back in the day. You know what I mean? Like, I used to do it to a default of, and as a matter of fact, I mean, I said that I'm a dude coming at you, but like, man, I feel like dudes have the most empathy, but we shut off that, we shut off that part of our brain a lot. We shut off that part of our mentality because we, we've been taught that that's not manly to, to have empathy. You know what I mean? Like, you know, shoulder, you need to cry on it. It just, it just, 
from potting now. It's not that we haven't been taught. I mean, some of us haven't been taught, but it's just like, dude, it's just, have you ever seen a grown man cry? It's just uncomfortable to look at. It's very uncomfortable to see a grown man cry. I don't like, it's very uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Especially if the dude is like in shape and jacked. You don't, you know what I mean? Like, but we have feelings too. So it's just like, but we have to like balance and juggle that. We have to juggle how much do I, you know, let them see. Because when you're being empathetic, you're and um, undoubtedly going to have some vulnerabilities where people see a different side of you. And you may not want that to come out to other people, but um, I just charge you, especially like in our age group, the 29. So I'm talking for millennials. So probably like the age range of, I don't know, maybe 20, 28, 27 to 41. Yeah. So that's who I'm talking to empathy because a lot of us, Growing up in the time we we grew up in, um, it, it is not it was it was not very easy to to like give your feelings uh, if you were raised by certain parents. I know I I had parents both of them worked, and when they got home, it was like this is what's going on and this is what you do, and it wasn't really talk about empathy and all those sympathy and all those things because we didn't really have time to worry about that like it was it was like let's let's move on to figure out how to get you like going in the right direction and in college and in sports and this and all this time all this time doing things to fill uh to fill up my time and then you never really um you never really figure out that you you didn't develop as many interpersonal skills as you needed, and it could it, it hurt you in your relationships and your personal relationships later on. I'm speaking about myself, really. That's me. Like, it's really like that's what happened. It was like I didn't develop enough interpersonal communication when it mattered the most. Um. It just didn't come through in in real in real time. And like I said on the previous podcast, I'll discuss more about that when it's when it's over and done with. But yeah, I had a lot of I had a lot of things that I didn't figure out, you know, before. And when the time came to have empathy, I didn't have it, and uh, it burned me in the end, man, burned me bad. But um. But that, but that's why, that's why, that's one of the reasons this podcast was created is to is to let you know that um, the mistakes that you make, you don't have a choice but to grow from them. You don't have a choice but to go and see how how better you can get. I I don't care who you are. Like, yeah, I know things can get worse, and I know people usually don't. You know, when things happen, people fold up. But it, it guys, mental health, um, mental health breakdowns are an all time high. Like, hold what you have, you know what I mean, and work on that and build on that because it's not getting easier out here. It's getting harder. It's getting harder to maintain. It's getting harder to do things. It's getting harder to get out of bed. It's getting harder to. It's just the world is in a really 
weird place right now. You know what I mean? So I just think that it's important to have empathy, to take the pressure off of yourself. Because when you have empathy and you put yourself in another person's shoes, you've already eliminated self out of the out of the situation. And I think that when you eliminate like self out of equations, you become much more helpful. You become much more uh, focused. You become you got a lot more purpose. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then it can spark something where you don't spend the rest of your days in the dark. You know what I'm saying? Just groaning. So. Yeah, the empathy, you know, like having the capacity to f- understand or feel what another person is experiencing is it can help to your benefit, but you can also do it to a fault. But I'm speaking on the positive part, you know, like it's just to take the because the reason I said it is because like, what is this? It's like, you know, I changed my name of my of my podcast to Talks with Talks because it sounded cooler. But if you see like the OCS at the end, it says only child syndrome. You know what I'm saying? And I changed it because, you know, I used to think like I had people in my life that would tell me like, oh, you like you, you have an only child syndrome type deal where it's like you think everything's about you, this and that. But and um, I had a friend that was like, that's not who you are. That's a label that people put on you and you can can have that. In your podcast, you feel me? It was just a suggestion, but I took your suggestion. You had that in your podcast, but 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 have something else, you know, to make it sound a little bit more like it go. And so that's how I got talks with talks. And um, the only reason I bring up the OCS because it's still only child, it's still only child syndrome, but it's just OCS is at the top and it's it's capitalized. So that's that's the story behind that. But more importantly, like I'll go back to. Um, people that are in my age range, millennials. A lot of a lot of our parents like put it made like our parents. We we come from the generation where our parents like put us on a pedestal, and we come from the generation of like spoiled kids, and we come from the generation of shit. Like it's 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 important that you understand as a millennial that you were taught to be about yourself and you got to break that mold and you got to get the, you got to get the attention off yourself so much. So that way you can put that energy into other things or other, or or the people that, that matter to you. And that way you can have a more purposeful life. I'm telling you, when you take the pressure off of yourself, and thinking about you and what you need and what you want, what you can put that. At. That's why it was so. I felt like it was so crucial for me when I had a child. You know what I mean? Because it turned up, it turned something on in me, a little fire up under me, and maybe where I wanted to go and 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 do something that that was bigger than myself, even if I didn't have the confidence uh, or not confidence. Definitely had a confidence. Didn't have a know how necessarily all the way, but I'm just walking, walking one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other figuring out just like everybody else. And then when you get to that part where you're thriving, it's like, dang, it's cool. Like I can already see it. It's not happening yet, but I can see it already. And it's like, okay, I'm hella uncomfortable right now, but, but, but I like where I'm at and I like what I'm doing. I'm like, what's happening for my, my life. And I'm like, what's happening for my family. So I'm gonna keep it pushing. And then you just get comfortable with being uncomfortable. 
that's why I like people like LeBron James or RIP Kobe Bryant um, or Messi or Ronaldo. <laughs> I'm a sports guy, right? That's why do you see them performing at the top tier, but it's only like a few of those people in the world. But the thing is, like, you totally have a choice on whether you want to pursue excellence every day or not. And part of that is being able to, when you come across things like people having bad days and stuff, that's going to help enhance your day when you can put yourself in their shoes. Let me tell you something, bro. If you want to have good days, you have to earn it. Like if you want to have a good day, a full, complete day, you got to earn it. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily about waking up the earliest. It's just like when you get up, you know what I'm saying? What are you going to do? Are you going to Are you going to pray? Are you going to eat? If you're going to eat the right foods, if you're going to eat the foods, are you going to eat the right foods? Are you going to work out? Are you going to get started with work? Are you going to smoke a cigarette? Are you going to take a stiff? What are you What are you going to do when you wake up in the morning? And then from there, like, what are you going to choose to eat for lunch for sustenance to keep you? You know what I mean? Are you going to work out there if you haven't worked in the morning? Um, when you meet people, what are you what are you going to do when you engage with them? You know what I mean? Like when you meet people and, and they and they interact with you. If they interact with you in a situation that requires empathy, are you going to give it? Are you going to say, I don't have enough time for that? Are you going to say, because of what I'm going through, I'm not going to, I'm not going to feel this person. I just want to feel about me. And then if you do that, you could possibly be going to like throughout the day where it's like, you're holding all this energy in, let some of that out, man. Let some of that, let some of that encouragement, let some of that ability to give people a, 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 a pick me up, let some of that go. That's what it's meant to be. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's like a you must decrease type deal like so God can increase in your life and he can like put good things in there. So um, with that being said, this is the this is the talks with talks. <laughs> Almost said with y'all. This is the talks with talks. And uh, it's been real good, guys. It's this is a uh, this is Tevin West signing out. <laughs>